Coming up on this week's show, Anita Sunday talks about her slow burn romances. This is the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. Each week, we bring you exclusive author interviews, book recommendations, and explore the latest in gay pop culture. Welcome to episode 161 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamsrights.com, and joining me as always is my co-host and the birthday boy husband, Will Knaus. Happy birthday! Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, another year older, <laughs> as we... As is the podcast. The podcast is celebrating its third birthday this week also. How does it feel being another year older? I think you try... <laughs> you probably ask me this question every single year. Probably. And I always come, it's the back, go-to. come back with a grumpy old man response. I don't think <laughs> getting older is a cause to celebrate at all. Although... <laughs> I do think it is a nice excuse to do whatever you want the week of your birthday. Sure. I.e., um, you can say, it's my birthday, so, you know, whatever. So I can eat this whole pie, or or I'm going to buy myself this box set of DVDs on Amazon, which is what I did this week to celebrate my birthday. That's true. You did buy the Sinbad box set. Mm-hmm. And we're quite a happy camper about it. Yeah, if anyone is a fan of the Ray Harryhausen Sinbad movies, there is a box set from England. Um, it's a special edition. It's got um, all three movies on Blu-ray. All of them are remastered. And there's tons of extras. Um, extras that have not been available on the Blu-ray releases here in the U.S. So, that is my tip for the week. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you're into that sort of thing. There you go. And third birthday for the podcast. Which is Yay. three years. Super exciting. I love seeing the, the memories pop up on Facebook of our our shows when we used to just sit in the chair, kind of in front of the desk. We've we've evolved so much in three years. Yes, the show is now officially past the teething stage and now we're at like the grumpy toddler stage, probably. <laughs> it's crazy to believe that sometime in twenty nineteen <laughs> we'll roll past episode two hundred. Yes, we will. It's coming up fast. Yep. That it is. Speaking of podcast, a couple of appearances that have happened. I was I was remiss uh, in the post GRL time frame. Uh, well, it's, that's okay because it's a crazy time. Very true. Getting back into the swing of things can be hard. Very true. Um, my appearance on the Buy Sci Fi podcast actually dropped the week of GRL, so a couple weeks ago now. Uh, I appear uh, in the same episode as author Jennifer Sidaway. And in mine, I talk a little bit about the Codename Winger series and how Carrie actually convinces me it is a little bit specfic, um, given some of the stuff that goes on in there. So by all means, check out the awesome Buy Sci-Fi podcast. That link is in the show notes. Um, and we kind of hit a... I was super happy for this interview that we that dropped on this past Friday. Uh, Sarah Wendell, who of course was on this show a few weeks back, invited us to come talk on uh, Smart Podcast Trashy Books. And that episode number 323, I believe it was for her, uh, dropped this past Friday. How did you feel about your performance on it? I know you were a little skittish to listen to it. Um, Yes. For people who don't know, I generally do not listen to myself on podcasts because... uh, Including our own. I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't think I'm particularly good at talking extemporaneously. And um, I think... 
Uh, I think that interview proved it. It was, okay, let me preface this by saying it was a delight um, spending time with Sarah Wendell. I love her to pieces. She's so smart. She's so funny. Uh, and being on her show was amazing. Uh, that being said, I thought um, my portion of the interview was like, eh, it was okay. I didn't do anything necessarily embarrassing. Well, no, neither of us, <laughs> neither of us were embarrassing, I don't think. So if you're curious about what we could talk about for 45 minutes with Sarah Wendell, uh, definitely give out that episode of Smart Podcast Trashy Books a try. Yes, the link for that is also in the show notes. And I will just quickly say, as I've said on social media a couple of times, his part of the interview was brilliant. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, this Tuesday, November 6th, uh, critical day for those of you who live in the U.S. You must go out and vote. Of course, the audience for this show were probably... Speaking to the choir on that one, uh, or preaching to the choir, I guess is the right term for that. Uh, you can see on us, we have our I Voted stickers. We voted by mail before we headed off to GRL. Uh, you must get out there and make your voice heard. If you've already voted by mail or in the places you can go to the polling and vote early, good for you. Encourage your friends to go vote. And if you're voting on the 6th, please get out there and do it because we need to take our country back. Moving on. This past week, I had the opportunity, a long overdue opportunity, to speak to Brandilyn, who, of course, has become kind of our audiobook guru here on the show. Uh, let's find out from her a couple of things we should be listening to for this fall. Very excited to welcome Brandilyn back to the podcast. Hello and happy fall. It is fall. We even have fall weather here in Houston. That is It'll shocking. One or two more days. But hey, it's not 100 degrees. I'm happy. Since we're recording right before Halloween, you hope that you get a little touch of fall to go with that that holiday. So, as usual, we come to you looking for all that is good in audiobook land. <laughs> well, you came to the right place. I, I actually um, have been looking at some new authors, new to me authors, um, because I wanted something different and I have uh, two series I want to talk about um, they're both mystery series um, the first one is it's a paranormal mystery uh, cold case psychics obviously by the title one of the characters is a psychic um, the other character is a detective go figure <laughs> and of course because this is the romance genre there is some, you know, hooking up for them. It takes a little while, but it does happen. But more importantly than that, they're they're really good mysteries. Um, and she's, it's a, I know there's seven or eight books in the series. The first three are out on audio. The fourth one is coming out on audio. Um, they're all narrated by Michael Pauly. And then the other one is a true mystery or regular mystery series and it's also got some friends to lovers going on or, i'm sorry enemies to lovers not friends mm -hmm. enemies to lovers anyway hazard in somerset by gregory ash and honestly the i had never even heard of gregory ash the reason i picked it up was i was on a tristan james kick um he narrates some of my favorite series um the marshall series by mary Kame, the um Sinners series by Reese Ford, um, as we were talking about the uh, Irish and Whiskey series by Layla Rain. 
Ronnie. I don't know how to say her name. I apologize. Um, and so I was just like, you know what? I want that voice. And I found this series by Gregory Ash. Um, the first three of them are out in audio. And it's, again, it's a, it's a good mystery. It's, it's complex enough that I don't multitask while I'm listening to it as mm. much. Um, cause I do tend to multitask when I'm listening to audiobooks, but I do actually want to, to get the, the, the finer details of this series. And of course, Tristan James. So <laughs> that's always, always good to listen to. So. What sent you down the mystery path? Cause I'm not used to getting mysteries from you. I, <laughs> honestly, I'm not sure because I'm also reading, um, some, I think because I, well, I work in the middle grade or the middle school library. And so I read a lot of middle grade and a lot of the mainstream middle grade I've been reading has been sci-fi and dystopic. And so I think it was just to get something different because I've been reading so much dystopic and so much sci-fi on that side that I just, I, every once in a while I get on a kick. <laughs> I'm like mystery, and so. And I like how you kind of split it up between you get you had a little paranormal mystery, and then as you put it, a little regular mystery. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's some people don't like the paranormal, some people do. So yeah, they're 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 both mystery at their core, but one has the the, the psychic kick, and one is not. But it has the enemies and some serious uh i don't want to say baggage but history between the main characters that is slowly developing which is one thing i actually really appreciate is that he is slowly developing it, it he didn't information dump on us this is where they were you know 20 years ago or 10 years ago whatever it was um as we need to know it that's when we're finding it out and I, I really appreciate that in this series um, because so often you do get the information dump version and that just gets a little old. So yeah, that's the Hazard and Somerset series, by the way, that I was talking about. So, cool. Anyway. All right. Well, people can have a couple of good recommendations here for those as we get into the chilly fall nights. Yeah. Uh, curl up with a couple of good mysteries in their ears. Yep. Um, and if they happen to not like audiobooks, um, I'm pretty sure the Pandora Pine one is still available on uh, Kindle Unlimited, which is actually where I originally found the series. A friend of mine recommended it to me and said, hey, this is on Kindle Unlimited and it's, you know, it's a paranormal and I think it's something you would enjoy. And then like a few weeks later, the first one came out on audio and I'm like, well, now it's really one I want to check out. <laughs> audiobooks. Um, so yeah. But if, if you don't like audiobooks, I'm pretty sure that the uh, Pandora Pine are Kindle Unlimited. I'm not sure about the Gregory Ash because I honestly had never heard of them until I started looking at other stuff that Tristan James had narrated. And I was just looking through his list and went, oh, hey, these are interesting and they are LGBT. And so I yeah. do that sometimes. I go for my favorite narrators and just see what else they're doing. 
I love how it's it, a more back and forth thing now. It's not always that people go out and look for favorite authors to pick up and read. It's now for the audiobook folks, it's like, oh, what does Tristan James got? Or what does, you know, so and so have that I might want? <laughs> and then expand your author list because of what yeah, you were here. Uh, Greg Tremblay and his alter ego, Greg, Greg Boudreaux, are, is another one that I'm constantly looking at seeing because he does a wide variety of stuff. And so I'm always looking at his list, seeing what I found a really good middle grade fantasy through him just by going, oh, that's a Greg Tremblay book. Let's grab it. And I just absolutely fell in love with the series. And, and but it's you know, like I said, it's a middle grade. Um and so, yeah, it's it the a good narrator is going to help sell your book. Mm-hmm. And I've I've always said that I've, when I've been advocating for for audiobooks back when I had the blog and all that stuff, getting the right narrator will help sell your book because especially if it's a narrator with a following. And you and I, I mean, I could name five or six in the genre that they have enough of a following that people are going to find their book whether or not they've heard of you mm-hmm. because they the following. And so it is. It, 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 it's a partnership, I think. Yeah, it for sure is. And I think uh, at, at Gay Romlet recently, they had their second year where they had the narrator panel where people cool. would go, it, it's, it's that rock star moment for the narrators that the authors have yeah. always had at GRL, but now the narrators are now getting it as well. Oh, I'm I am all for that. When I first came into LGBT fiction, there were a total of about 180 audiobooks in the genre on Audible. There was about four different narrators, and I went through them fairly quickly. And I was just like, "Oh gosh, I need more! I need more!" And then Dream Spinner. Uh, went and started ramping up their production and once they started doing it everyone started following and realized it it really is a good avenue because Mm -hmm. especially in this day and age with all of us so busy and so like i said multi i multitask i you know i'm cleaning the house and listening i'm working out and listening to an audiobook i'm driving and listening to an audiobook it's it's such a great avenue for the authors and if you, and as you said, the rock star moment for the narrators, I, you know, I personally know a, a number of the narrators in the genre and I've met a number, a number of other ones through them. And it's just, it's really cool to see how it, it's helped both sides. Mm-hmm. I mean, awesome books, awesome narrators, they, they sell each other. Yeah, for sure. They give, you know, I can't get my husband to pick up a book, but he's always listening to the audiobooks too. I I got him addicted to them too. So, you know, it's it's getting literature to people who might not necessarily have the time or think they have the time. So, I like them. Yep, it's a good thing. Some people say they're cheating. I don't agree. Uh, I don't agree with that at all. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for giving us a couple of things to listen to for the fall. And uh, we will hope to get you back here shortly after the new year. In the Hockey Player's Heart, the feel-good gay romance by Jeff Adams and Will Knauss 
Hockey star Caleb Carter returns to his hometown to recover from an injury. He never expects to run into his one-time crush at a grade school fundraiser. Seeing Aaron Price hits him hard, like being checked into the boards. The attraction is still there, even after all these years, and Caleb decides to make a play for the school teacher. You miss 100% of the shots you never take, right? Aaron has been burned by love before and can't imagine what a celebrity like Caleb could possibly see in a guy like him. Their differences are just too great. But as Aaron spends more time with Caleb, he begins to wonder if he might have what it takes to win the hockey player's heart. Get the hockey player's heart in ebook, paperback, or as an audiobook performed by me, Vince Sterling, wherever you buy books. So in another example of it's my birthday, so um, <laughs> in order to celebrate my day of birth, uh, Jeff and I went to the theater and we saw the touring production of On Your Feet, the Gloria and Emilios Estefan musical. Now, I saw this show a couple years back on Broadway, and it was a delight to get to experience the show once again. This was Jeff's first time mm-hmm. uh, seeing this prediction. This particular production. Uh, what were your initial thoughts, sir? You hit it right on the money. It was a total delight. Uh, the musical tracks uh, Gloria and Emilio from pretty much the first time they meet mm-hmm. uh, when Gloria is a youngster. Um, I didn't quite realize how much May December there might actually be yes, there in is. their relationship. Yes, there um, is. And it goes up to the point where Gloria made her reappearance on the American Music Awards singing uh, Coming Out of the Dark uh, following that tragic bus accident that she had that put her through uh, major spinal surgery and her comeback to being able to walk and perform again. Um, It hits so many of the good uh, Miami Sound Machine and Gloria Estefan songs, chronicles their rise to uh, getting their their songs on the radio and becoming the crossover from... um, from the Latino audience into mainstream uh, American music. Um, inspiring show, so much good music. I, I could easily just see it again <laughs> because it was so fun. How did it hold up for you, um, Broadway to tour? Um, it held up very, very well. Uh, I think um, there really there are no, that I can tell, there are no major changes. Um, everyone in this touring production uh, is excellent. Uh, in fact, most of them have been uh, on Broadway during the uh, Broadway mm-hmm. one of the show at some point or another. Um, so they're all wonderful. Um, my, if I could just sum up the show in like one sentence, I truly believe. I think it's impossible not to have a good time at this show. Yeah, that <laughs> it's just it's just a fact. If if <laughs> if you're if you leave the show not smiling, then you're probably dead. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that is very accurate. It was a blast, and I now need to go like expand my library of uh, Gloria Estefan music because I, I figured out I don't have enough. Yeah. So um, if uh, this particular tour makes it into your neck of the woods, we highly recommend checking out on your feet. Yes, it is on tour through April 2019 currently. Uh, And speaking of musicals, uh, I'm going to hit a book that is actually rooted in the musical. Uh, Dear Evan Hansen, uh, which we both love when we saw it on Broadway, I think a year ago now, Mm -hmm. um, has released a novelization. I've never seen uh, a musical that has developed a novelization of its material. Uh, Usually a book becomes 
a stage production, but this went the other direction. Uh, author Val Emick uh, worked alongside the musical's creators, uh, Stephen Levinson, uh, Benj Pasek, and Justin Paul to write this novelization. Uh, to really quickly summarize what the show is without giving too many spoilers, because I know those people who have not seen it do everything they can to kind of avoid knowing too much, so you can always skip forward maybe 30 seconds or so. Um, Evan is a young man who has is depressed, feels like he's an outsider, doesn't have many friends. He's been going to therapy for a while. He's been writing these letters that begin, Dear Evan Hansen, today is going to be an amazing day, and here's why, because they're meant to be pep talks to himself. Uh, one day at school, he creates one on the school on the school computer and prints it off, except this one kind of goes into why it's not going to be such an amazing day for many reasons. And this letter lands in the hands of Connor, Connor Murphy, who is also a troubled young man, who ends up, takes the letter home, and then commits suicide. And the letter is found that it's believed to be his suicide note. And from there, Evan gets pulled more and more down as he tries to make the Murphy family kind of happy, knowing that maybe Connor wasn't as alone as he seemed. And a whole bunch of stuff happens. And you, in the music, you're just like, oh, stop. Stop what you're doing. This is bad. This is going to end badly. Um, the book I loved so much because it really goes far more into Evan's head. It has much more space to tell the story than you get in a two-hour and 20-minute musical. They also let Connor have a voice, and you hear from Connor kind of why things went so wrong for him and why he made the choices that he did. Um, and that just, it, it, there's so much power in this book, and it just, it takes the musical and just moves it to a different level. Um, so if you've seen the musical, I highly recommend the book. If you're going to see the musical, I can't really tell you too much which way to go in terms of what to read first or what to experience first, because they're both excellent works in their own right. Um, the voice talent, I did the audiobook. The voice talent on this are Evan Hansen cast members. So you get Ben Levi Ross, who is playing Evan on tour right now and also played it as an understudy on Broadway. Uh, Mike Faist, who was the original Connor on Broadway, and Mallory Bechtel, who is currently playing Zoe on Broadway. So top-notch uh, uh, cast reading this book. So I highly recommend Dear Evan Hansen, both in book form and in uh, on stage, if you get to see it on tour or on Broadway. As always, if you're interested in anything that we talked about here on the show, all you got to do is check out the show notes. And those are at biggayfictionpodcast.com. Every time you use the affiliate links, a couple of pennies come our way, and that helps support this show and keeps it on the internet airwaves. Yes. I never, are there airwaves on the internet? Well, I don't think that's how it works, but... Not really, but if you think about <laughs> Wi-Fi, I mean, the Wi-Fi is in the air. Well, I suppose that's technically so, true. Some of the wife, some of the internet's on the on the airwaves. Also, another way you can help support the show is through Patreon. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about how you can support this show monetarily, all you have to do is go to Patreon.com/slash/BigGayFictionPodcast. You can find all the information there about oh gosh, everything that we offer to our Patreon supporters. Um, like bonus episodes, bonus episodes, call outs, special thank you stuff. So all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash big gay fiction podcast. Want to hang out with us between shows? Check us out on Facebook. 
You never know what we might post. News about book sales, bonus video content, and maybe even a live broadcast or two. Like us today at facebook.com slash biggayfictionpodcast and see what we get up to next. So I recently had the opportunity to talk to the queen of slow burn romances, Anita Sunday. Uh, many weeks ago, I read one of the books in her Signs of Love series and absolutely adored it and, and really found out why slow burn romance can be so fun. Uh, her latest book in the Signs of Love series is called Pisces Hooks Taurus, and she will talk to us about that. She's also got a special reveal in here uh, for what the next signs pairing will be. So keep an eye out for that in this interview. Welcome, Anita. Hi. Thanks oh, so much for being me? here. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me on. So for our listeners who may not be familiar, tell us about the Signs of Love series and what its origins are. Uh, as a general breakdown, basically the Signs of Love stories are um, different men who are generally stereotypes of their zodiac signs and they're searching for true love. And it's true love that is usually... Um, right under their noses so it's it plays on cluelessness and um and searching for something that's right there all along and what was your inspiration to create the series oh yeah um so i was in scotland i was in edinburgh and i was walking up arthur's seat and i just had a baby i was sleep deprived I hadn't been able to write for many, many months due to being morning sickness and, uh, you know, having the baby. Um, and I was itching. I was itching to write. And I was just walking up there. And I just, I had visions of scenes and, and these boys that were falling in love. And I had no idea what quite their, what shape their story would have. But I had these bits of dialogue. Um, uh, it just, I could see these two boys um, who were at university, uh, college, uh, who just, yeah, they, they were going to come together somehow. And it had to be funny. And the reason it had to be funny was because um, in 2016, it was a very terrible year all around. And um, I was also quite depressed and I needed to um, lift myself. And I thought, yeah, I've got to write something that's lighthearted. And so, yeah, I was walking up Arthur's seat and it just kind of struck, I want to say, it just struck. And I remember thinking, I have to get home, but I'm all the way up the top of the cliffs. I have to get home because I need to start writing. I just had to. Um, and then when I got, I mean, the home, it was like an Airbnb place that we were staying in. Um, and I got there and I um, started jotting some stuff down. I think I got through the first chapter pretty uh, pretty quickly. Um, and then I realized, well, what is this, you know, what is this about? In addition to that, um, I remember worrying that I was going to be a terrible mum because I have a big kid and I have a small kid and I was tossing up. Trying, trying to juggle up how to give each of them the time that they needed. Um, and I was worried that I wasn't going to manage this. And so I did something that I probably shouldn't have done. And that was I looked up my kids and parents' star sign compatibilities. 
because I wanted to see if my Taurus baby would, you know, be a really good match for my Leo personality. And the same for my bigger one, who is a Pisces. Um, and I really shouldn't have done that because apparently we're not very good at all. We're going to have lots of drama, which <laughs> I already see. Um, so we're all going to work really hard to <laughs> to do a good job as a family. Um, and because of that, I was thinking about compatibilities and how um, there are different you know, personalities and how they mesh and how it was kind of fun. And I mean, looking up uh, with my ch- children, um, the compatibilities, it was just it was fun and games. It was being silly. You know, I didn't actually believe that, you know, my uh, relationship with my children will be anything like these compatibilities I saw um, or read, but I had fun doing it. And then I thought, well, what if, wait a second, what if I did that with my main characters? If they actually did represent Um, those star signs and how would that be how would they mesh and that kind of got spiraling and so I had these scenes um, with the two boys um, and it just kind of all came crashing together like this this mom who was crazy about star signs um, and how she would you know feed this to her Leo kid and um, he didn't believe it and and yet he was, uh, from my view, he was representing all the Leo traits. And so that's kind of how it came about. That was very long-winded and all over the place. <laughs> I hope you follow some of that. Were um, you into astrology before the book idea came? You know, not really, but kind of. It was always like, oh, come on. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm not really a Leo. I'm really not. I'm more like cancer surely no maybe actually no i'm a libra Hmm. you know look it up check it out um yeah so i wasn't heavily into it but i had a lot of fun you know you 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 pick up a, a magazine with girlfriends or um check it out or you look up what your boyfriend or husband is and you know what's going to happen that week kind of for shits and giggles Um, And it's always been like that for me. I'm not seriously into it. But as I started uh, writing the series, I did end up uh, learning a lot more about the process. And it's a lot more complicated than just star signs. Um, There are moon signs and, you know. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into that. Yeah, exactly. Retrograde and la-la-la and everything. So it's it's very complex as are people. Mm. Um, But for the simplicity's sake and for just the fun of it, I focus on the star signs. That's very cool. I love how you had this this moment of plot inspiration. You were just driven to get back to the Airbnb because you had to write it. Yeah. I love that. Now, let's dig into this new book, Pisces Hooks Taurus. What what who who do we get to meet in this book and, and what's happening with them? Okay, so um, Pisces Hooks Taurus is the fourth in the Signs of Love series. It's an opposites tract, a romantic comedy, and this time it features an unapologetic romantic and uh, a broken realist, and they're trying to convince each other that uh, true love doesn't exist or that it does. So we have Zane, who sees himself as this kind of regular Kiwi uh, that's New Zealander, uh, a bit cheeky, bigger dreamer, uh, an even bigger idiot. Uh, and he loves 
three things. He loves drawing and he loves pecans and he loves romance. Also, his visa is about to run out uh, and he's on the search to find uh, true love. And it has to be true love uh, before the month is out. Um, and he really believes that this will happen. This is uh, my beautiful Zane. Uh, and then there's Beckett, uh, who's recovering from a failed marriage, has a bitter outlook on, on love in general. And he absolutely does not believe in love at first sight. Just forget it. Um, and the book explores you know, this um, theme, thematic question, and uh, you'll have to read the book to find out. Um, <laughs> if either of their opinions change. No. I bet they do since it's a romance. That's just a guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty good guess. <laughs> now, the week this airs, the first week of November, uh, the podcast turns three. Uh, can you give the show a quick horoscope? I can. Well, firstly, happy um, podcast birthday. Thank and, you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, three years old on November the 5th, which uh, makes your podcast a Scorpio. Uh, and that really seems fitting to um, the structures of your podcast and the regularity of your podcast work to one of Scorpio's major strengths, and that's focus. Um, another fitting trait is the jovial and passionate nature of the podcast. Um, they're fun and yet they're carefully thought out and, um, yeah, more traits. They're honest. You guys are honest, passionate and persistent, which I like. This is going to, um, be over 100 and something, something episode. Yeah. This will um, be like one, 160 something. I think <laughs> it's incredible. Um, and I see that the next year will bring uh, even more expansion and even more amazing big gay fiction that you can read, write, watch, listen to, and you guys can talk about. <laughs> Very cool. I like, I like those traits. They they seem to fit the show really well. So yeah, thank you, thank you for doing that. That that was a little bit of fun there. Fun. Now shifting a little bit from star signs, you've got another series out there that actually focuses on the alphabet. Oh, yes, I do. The Love Letters series. Yes. Now, tell us about that one, because that's interesting how you're kind of, I think, planning 26 books. Yes. Um, tentatively, I'm planning 26 books. I am definitely starting chronologically. And, um, yeah, the idea is that these are shorter books, and they're meant to be little escapist fantasies, a little bit like um, episodes. Um, and they're, they're striving for uh, fun, really uber-tropey, um, over-the-top little love bites for in-between uh, longer novels. And, um, and not just for reading, but for writing, too. I find um, writing bigger stories, bigger novels, it takes a lot of emotional energy. Mm -hmm. um, and it takes me a long time to write them, which is good I think and, and necessary um, but in between I just want to have like a downtime actually and so <laughs> I just want to write a little a little fairy tale and so that's what these are they're just little in between fairy tales that make me really happy to write and um, 
I'm using them a lot at the moment to kind of explore different ways of writing emotion um, and looking at, yeah, how to get better as a writer and trying to use each, um, yeah, each letter just to, to kind of tackle something I want to work on in the story so that I can then employ those things in my bigger, um, you know, bigger books better basically. That's a very cool way to, to approach it, both as kind of like a creative recharge and also essentially a writing exercise. Yeah, replenishing the toolkit, um, trying new things, seeing whether they work. It's, um, yeah, I, I think there is a lot to learn as a writer. I think I'm constantly learning. I think many times I fail uh, really badly too. <laughs> And I like looking at why and what can be um, worked on to make a read more compelling or more interesting or the characters give them more depth possibly or make them more funny or, yeah, I just like playing around and, and trying to hone the skills. And um, I think the love letters are a great way to do that. Where in the series are you right now? And, and tell us about the most recent one. A to C have come out and... D is coming out this month in November. Um, I have already written up to E and I have done about a third of F. So there's still quite a way to go. Um, and I do notice um, that I get bored with certain things sometimes. So I um, kind of go off on tangents. I find it hard. This is, this is why I like writing standalones. Um, and don't usually follow characters from book to book, uh, because I, I like conflict and I like it really in the nitty gritty. And then I get bored of that. And then I want to try a new one and I want to give, um, uh, the boys their, you know, their conflict that they have to solve and then kind of like jumping on and on. Um, yeah. Tell us what these about. Um, Daring Duke. Um, it's a forbidden romance, so I'm playing up the emotion a bit there. Uh, it's also probably the sexiest book that I have written. Um, and it's forbidden in the fact that it's two guys who really like each other, love each other. They have known each other the, all their lives, and the reason that is is because they are cousins. So they have um the the conflict is uh, uh, basically internal how do they um overcome the fact that you know they are in some way related and will they and how and yes interesting it was yeah it was it was fun um and a little surprising and it was good to get into different mindsets again. Mm -hmm. Different minds, yeah. You call yourself the queen of slow burn romance. <laughs> well, I wouldn't call myself that, but I suppose I have been called that before. <laughs> you have been anointed as that, perhaps, is a better way to put it. What is it about slow burn that you love so much? Uh, definitely the development in romance and by that I mean that there is a progression that feels natural from friends um, 
or maybe possibly enemies, let's go even back there, um, disliking to liking to learning about one another. Um, usually I get to a point in a story where my characters are best friends before they realize they are more than that. And that's important for me because there's a fundamental belief for myself is that um, you are best friends with your partner and and I want to show that first um, in the development of a romance. So this is part of the reason why I like slow burn so much. Love it, actually. Also, I feel that there is a lot of tension between the characters because when you have two people and everyone else kind of knows what's going on except for the two people, there is an element of frustration, a good type of frustration, I feel, um, where you're kind of screaming at the characters just to get it together, figure it out. Um, can you not read the subtext, you know? <laughs> He's actually saying this. Why can't you see it already? It's, it's a lot of fun. I think it, it, it's engaging, and I love reading it. Um, uh, yeah, so that's kind of that whole will they, won't they, or more specifically, when will they and how will they? Mm-hmm. Um and also, it's just, as an author, I love to tease. I guess that kind of comes from my Leo personality, a little bit playful, like kind of getting close and then drawing away and then, you know, getting a bit closer and then drawing away. It's it's fun to write. Are there any particular tropes you like to see the slow burn applied to? I mean, obviously, you know, friends to lovers and even enemies to friends to lovers easily goes in that direction are there others that you like to play with there yeah well you're right you've um <laughs> you've mentioned a lot of uh, really good ones i love the friends lovers enemies lovers um and there are quite a few others that are a lot of fun too like the fake fiancés or fake boyfriends or the best friend's brother or december may um so yeah, I just love going wild with them. I think there's so much fun to exploit, and um, especially when I'm writing lighthearted books. Um, and I, I write angst too. Um, I have other books that are, are more heavier, um, which I don't tend to use these tropes on because I feel that they are more for the lighthearted, um, fun stories. And. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, so I like using them, writing them. Um, and I also have noticed that it's not just these bigger kind of tropes, like, you know, the overarching um, novel tropes, but there are all these really cool tropes that you can use in small scenes too. And I found that I kind of stumbled across them because I was looking up tropes uh, online. And there's this list of uh, TV tropes that they use uh, for romance. And this list is long. This is like over a hundred different types of tropes long. And so I've been uh, writing some of my favorite ones down. And for example, um, a trope would be like the kissed keepsake, where um, you don't want to wash a part of the body that was kissed by a crush. Or the um, the the hypocritical heart warmer. So, like, you like to tease your love interest a lot. You antagonize them a lot. 
and it pisses them off and you kind of like that. But if anyone else does it, you just go crazy at them. So, uh, cause no one else is allowed to do it only yourself. And, uh, another one, um, I have, I have this whole list. Oh, wow. Uh, there's yeah, a whole, it, a whole it, two pages full it, there. It looks oh my like. god, no! It's more. It's like, uh, and these are just the ones that I really want to write, but there are more, um, and that oh, like the um, smithical marriage, where you go to a hotel and you pretend that you're married, so you sign under the same name, um, and other ones that I think are quite cool, like. Um, the mistaken declaration of love, like you think you're, you know, announcing to your uh, your love interest that yes, it is you, you're the one for me, and then you know you open up the dressing room or whatever, and uh, it's someone else there, or it's just a lot of fun. Um, yeah, yeah, really, I, I recommend having a look. It, it is hilarious to read some of these things. And I noticed I do them without even realizing, like yeah. using some of these tropes as well. And I think everyone uses them like because they're so ingrained and we see it on television all the time and yeah. um, or we read it in books all the time. And I noticed that I did it for Pisces, Hooks, Taurus, and I didn't realize until afterwards. But uh, another trope is like acting like the old married couple, even though they're not an old married couple. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to write. I recommend having a uh, writing list of the things that you want to write and going nuts. <laughs> yeah. Besides the trope list, are there other like subgenres you want to explore? We, we we mentioned in your intro that there's a little splash of fantasy in some of the books. Are there other things that you kind of want to explore that you just haven't yet? Yeah, I just don't know I'm good enough writer to do them <laughs> yet. Um, and I want to get better before I do some of these bigger dream books. Um, I love writing fantasy. Um, I don't, yeah, I, I write it every now and then. It never sells very well, <laughs> which is fine. Um, but it's, it's such a huge investment in time. Um, that it's yeah it's hard to it's hard to keep trying and getting better at it um at the moment um just time wise with two kids and everything um but i love fantasy i have a series that i started um a couple of years back i have notes and notes and notes about how to finish this and it's it's a three book series and i have it in my head um and it's just a matter of finding the time to do it. I also have another dream. Oh, this is the problem. I have so many notes and so many books I want to write. I don't know when I'm going to write them all because I'm quite a slow writer. <laughs> but there's this other dream book that I have in my head. I don't know if it's a book or three books. Hopefully it's just one book because the time. <laughs> and that is an enemies to lovers underdog romance. I would really love to write about a um, a secret society of debathletes, and debathletes are as a team that um, debate against each other and they fence in like a combination sport. Um, and I imagine it as 
different houses competing against each other. Houses is the term that you use in debating. Um, and they, yeah, this this one team comes in and it's it's from one guy's perspective. Um, and he is a complete underdog and no one gives him any, you know, chance basically. But he's just going to fight his way to the top and ultimately, of course, hopefully win. <laughs> Um, I'm fascinated by that. I've never heard of like a combined sport of debating and fencing. No, it's completely made up. (laughs) Oh, you've made this up. See, I was convinced there for a second. It was totally real. Yeah, I mean, maybe it is real. Maybe, maybe there is this uh, secret society of debatelites. I'm not sure. That would be cool. Um, I look forward to this one day from you. (laughs) Yeah. If I get around to it, oh, I really would like to write that one. But again, it's a little darker, which isn't what I'm writing at the moment. And I have to say at the moment, I'm feeling more the lighthearted, um, writing lighthearted stories, particularly uh, in light of how I feel um, and how, yeah, I just I just need more lightness mm-hmm. in life. I think so. we all do, actually. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm totally with you on that. What got you into male male romance, uh, both as a reader and a writer? Okay, so it kind of does tie into my um, fantasy fail. Um, I originally, way back in the day, wrote a um, an epic fantasy book based on real life chess pieces, um, and I had a uh, subplot. Um, and it was a gay romance subplot. Um, and I wanted to make sure that what I was writing was, um, um, was good, was, um, authentic, um, that it made sense that, you know, I wanted, I wanted to ask questions about what I was writing. So I signed up to, um, gay authors. And I uh, went online there and met so many amazing people, really, really, really amazing people that um, that listened to you and talked to you, gave you um, feedback on um, on your story, on what things might need development, um, where, yeah. Um, where things might be problematic and in all in all facets of the writing process um and it was really great to be able to to chat with people and having people be so open and and um and kind of work through plot elements there and i really loved i really loved the um the community there and and then i started writing chapter by chapter uh, my first um, MM romance story um, and it kind of grew from there. Before that, um, I remember actually being given my first um, gay novel as a birthday present from a neighbor um, and she said, the, uh, the bookstore attendant recommended this. Would you, you know, so you know, read it and tell me what you think. And um, it was "Call Me by Your Name" by Andre Ahiman. Amazing! I was just incredible. Um, I 
devoured this book. I felt um, it was very emotional. Um, and then I got to the end, and not to say any spoilers, but I wanted to rewrite the end. <laughs> so um, I guess that was also a motivation to to write my own stories and have um, more happy endings in general. And um, I really enjoy writing in um, in the genre. I find the male psyche absolutely fascinating. I find the grappling with um, masculinity uh, and the societal norms for guys um, and their role in modern family really interesting too. And there is a lot of um, a lot of conflict there and a lot to explore. And um, I really enjoy doing that. Um, and it's also super important. Um, to me that all kinds of relationships um, are shown in in my stories too. So gay, lesbian, bi, straight. Um, I have a lot of demisexual characters um, and um, looking into writing some asexual characters. And yeah, love is love. <laughs> Absolutely, love is love. So we've talked about a couple things that are coming up here in November between Pisces, Hooks, Taurus and the D entry in the love letter series. What can you project out from there that's coming up towards the end of the year and even rolling into early 2019? I got offered to jump in to do a Christmas um, story as part of a group of amazing authors, or I am in the process of writing a Christmas story. Um, or definitely by the time that this plays, <laughs> I will hopefully have written it. Um, so that will be coming out, and uh, that's going to be set in the 90s. Fun, lighthearted romance, um, and it's going to be playing on um, the very awesome um, 99 movie that came out, 10 Things I Had About You. Um, so a kind of taming of the shrew story, except it's more friending of the shrew story. Um, and, uh, yeah, I look forward to that coming out. <laughs> And um, otherwise, I will be and um, writing on the next uh, signs of love. And actually, I wanted to um, share with uh, the viewers um, what the pairing will be for book five. Oh, cool. Um, yes, yeah. Tell us. Um, I am going to show you. I hope that's um, obvious enough. Uh, cancer and Aquarius. Those are going to be the two signs for Signs of Love 5. I love that you have a shirt with that. Did you have to you had to get that custom made, right? Because or do they just sell them that way? <laughs> no, I um well, I own the um, images because I had a, an amazing artist, Maria. She created these for me. I had a little vision for all of the um, star signs and she was amazing and she whipped these up. And um and then I thought, well, this might be a great opportunity just to reveal it. So I made it into a T-shirt, and there you go. That's awesome. Well, you've, you've seen it here first, folks, Cancer and Aquarius for book five. That's right. Very That's cool. Right. How can people keep up with you online so they can keep track of the progress on, on Cancer and Aquarius and all your other work? Um, yeah, my website, anitasunday.com. 
um, Twitter, at, um, just Anita Sunday, and Facebook, Anita Sunday Books. It's um, a page there. Fantastic. We will link up to all of that in the show notes along with the books that we talked about today. Anita, thank you so much for hanging out with us for a little bit. It's been awesome. Oh, yeah. It's been really great. Thank you so much for inviting me. As always, thank you to Anita for coming on the show and telling us all about her series and uh, especially this new book. Yes. Now, inside the interview, she also talked about a Christmas story she was working on that is now titled Shrewd Angel. And it's from the Christmas Angel series that's actually having a cover reveal today, November 5th. And you'll find the link to that on Anita's site uh, inside the show notes. The series includes stories from Eli Easton, Kim Fielding, Jordan L. Hawk, L.A. Witt, N.R. Walker, R.J. Scott, and of course, Anita. And the premise is pretty cool. It's about a magic Christmas ornament that has been passed through hundreds of years. So you might want to check that out. The book itself comes out, I believe it's December 2nd. Fantastic. Yes. Sounds good. Um, so, guys, I think that'll do it for this week's episode. Coming up next week in episode 162, the writing duo of Ari McKay will be here, and they're going to talk about their two brand new books that are coming out in November. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to hear that. They've got a Dreamspun Desire and a Dreamspun Beyond that are coming out this month. So, guys, remember, no matter where life takes you, the journey will always be sweeter when you have a book. Until next time, everyone, please keep turning those pages and keep reading. For detailed show notes and links to everything discussed in this episode, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com. New episodes are available every Monday at all major podcast distributors. You can also find us on YouTube. I'm Derek McLean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>